I got a couple questions for you. Okay, go ahead. Shoot. We're gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna build a a, a burger. What kind of burger? You're gonna tell me. What kind of bun? What kind of bun are you thinking? You want like a sesame seed bun? You wanna? You you wanna go no bun? Onion. A potato. You know oh, one of those onion uh, rolls. Mm, Little flavor to it. Like a ciabatta bun. I like ciabatta bun. Well, let's go ciabatta bun. What kind of patty you want? You I think eat? in my next life, I want my either my last name to be ciabatta, or my son will be named ciabatta. <laughs> Isn't it a cool I'm name? Na- I'm gonna name a dog ciabatta. Hey, Chibata, get over here. That's an awesome Roll. idea. Roll. I'm going to just start calling my dog Chibata. <laughs> what, t- what kind of patty? You want, uh, you're going to go, you're going to go beef, turkey. You want a salmon no. patty? Veggie no. patty. No, let's, let's stay, you, wagyu, I'm a purist. Wagyu beef? You want to do something fancy? No, I'm a Venison? purist. I am a purist. What is Chibata? hamburger? It's ground beef. Very good ground, ground beef. Ground beef, okay. Brown. What kind of cheese you thinking? I like the habanero one. jack is good with a little touch of smoked gouda. Actually, Ooh. half and half is pretty good. But that habanero jack has to be hot. Okay. Give me give me another veggie. Lettuce, Some avocado. jalapenos. Of course, lettuce, tomato, and ha- onion, and jalapenos. Um, okay. Something. Uh, give me another topping. Something less less common that might be on there. You want bacon? No. Guacamole. No. Some eggs? You want an egg on there? No. Mac and cheese? No. French fries? No. Some cheese curds? No. I'm a purist. Some chili? No. None of these. No. I don't want any. Okay. I just All right. Fair enough. Lettuce, Fair enough. Tomato. I like a little mayo. I used to be mustard. Now I'm more of a mayo guy. I knew there was something wrong with you. Really? So you're going to go mayo over mustard? Yes. They're both close in my book. Absolutely no ketchup for me. What are you going to have for a side on this, uh, this, this burger? Some you going to do some fries? Of course. I'm a purist, man. Traditional right. purist. There's a reason that that started. And then everybody, you know, changes up, which is great. But nothing compares to that first one. Now, you're not going to understand this, where okay. we're going here. I don't. We just, we just built you the perfect... Perfect burger for me that I would like, but to have it forever, I would. All the, I all would the, like to change it up occasionally. All the young vegans in the audience are probably horrified today. Now awesome! Then my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> so now, in the process of building a burger, we just guessed what your favorite Halloween candy is. I want you to know that. Really, <laughs> this is going to be good. This is from a BuzzFeed personality. Okay, test. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be good. No, of all the candies you can think of. Do you want me to just to tell you? That way, well, let's see. Let's see if you uh, if we you, guessed. This, yeah. this no, is, no, no. Hold on. I would have to tell you because I could always say no, even if it was. No, it's not. Maybe necessarily your typical what you remember from childhood uh, Halloween candy that you got. Yeah. This is just basically all candies. Right. But, but I like they, a, a hundred thousand dollar bar, or actually, I like Nestle Crisp. Is that what it's called? I can't yeah, yeah, but I know what yeah. you're talking about, but uh, that's not what you or got. Or a dark any, chocolate. You didn't get anything chocolatey. See, that's how they... You got a gummy. Nope. Gummies, I don't eat. I don't... You got Sour Patch Kids. Uh, I do. If they're sour enough, I really <laughs> like them. they <laughs> oh, got to be see, sour enough. correct, yeah. then. I don't really like the gummy. <laughs> Although, the Swedish fish not were, bad, were Not bad, not bad, not yeah. bad. I liked the Swedish fish when I was a kid, and those little uh, dollars, you know, the little round gummy dollars that were like cin- a little bit of cinnamon in them. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. I used to love those. Hot tamales. 
I used to love hot tamales. I still love hot tamales. Mike and Ike, gone. Hot tamales. Hot tamales. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Do, we uh, could do this all day. <laughs> okay, that, that was pretty good. Let's uh, let's do one more. I'm asking okay. you a couple more questions. Uh, this is going to be to figure out which of your boobs is slightly bigger than the other one. Hmm. <laughs> this is this is bad. As a father, when you said that, I was like, probably my youngest son is bigger than my oldest. Son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> no, they're both not boobs. They're both good. Great. They're both boobs. They're they're good kids. Hey, last we left off, we were looking at personality tests. Maybe not the BuzzFeed kind. You know, we were looking at a little bit more along the lines of the MMPI, that Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory type of uh, uh, test, you know? That's one of my favorite inventories. You know, the old Denver Browning. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And where we left off was we were looking at these military divers and mm-hmm. how they differed from their regular military Non-divers, right? Yep, yep, just the regular non-diving mm-hmm. personnel. And then uh, they were also starting starting to look at, a, we know we're going to get into look at divers in general versus yes. non-divers Recreational, in technical. Yeah. And where we finally left off was the, um, the military elite pros with diving. And in the article it says that in spite of the Navy findings, you may not realize what program you're actually listening to. And you're actually listening to The The Great Great Dive Podcast, Podcast. everybody. We almost forgot to tell them who they're listening to. Coming at you recorded live. They're like, everybody's probably listening going, who are these idiots talking about burgers and Halloween candy and boob sizes? Hey, you're here with your Build-A-Burger Jamesy and your favorite Sour Patch Kid Brando. Psychoanalysis, Freudish. Does that burger represent my mom or something? (laughs) Um... What does it represent? <laughs> I know you, you're thinking something bad, and you can't say it because you like to, you're very politically correct and keeping the keeping the TGDP on the on the right side of the line. I'm just trying the to bur- <laughs> the, <laughs> the burger represents mankind, and you are something nature. you're going to eat. No, the burger represents nature. Basically, there are three things: man versus nature, man versus woman. And man versus the empire brain building, or the empire, well, the, the man are, versus himself. <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> what did you smoke a doobie on the way over here? <laughs> I mean, that's, in that traffic, I wanted to. 
talk about I mean, talk about putting your personality to the test. Well, I know, man. Oh. It, it's one it thing was, to get was, stuck in traffic. It was bad. Today. It's another thing that everywhere you go to get out of it. Oh, you're like, there's an exit. I'm getting the hell out of here. Get off the exit. You start going about a quarter mile. Construction. Yes. Go down to one lane. You're just thinking. Kill everybody is what I was thinking. Well, and the other thing is everybody loses their goddamn mind and forgets. I missed my turnoff, so I'm going to stop and try to cut completely over three lanes. You know, I didn't get in the right lane. and the, They just stop in the fast <laughs> lane in the freeway. Oh, yeah. There was, there was a guy in the lane next to me, to the right of me. Yeah. Right. I'm in uh, It's five lanes of traffic, right, where I'm coming down 275. Yeah. There's a guy in the right lane. It splits off yeah. into, like, eastbound uh, to downtown mm-hmm. Detroit on 96 there, or 275 keeps going. So this guy's a lane over. Obviously, in two miles, he's going to want to get over right. So he's just, like, fighting, like, trying to, like, angle off and, like, get into my lane, like, yeah. a, a car or two in was front of me. Was it stop and go, or was it Oh, like... it was, like, dead stop. Oh, wow. And he's, he's trying to push his way in. It's stop yeah. for, you know, 10 to 30 seconds and then you're yeah. going forward and yeah. it's you're just like yeah, fighting stop and go crap yeah. so he just bullies his way in gets into the lane turns on his turn signal see a little <laughs> late buddy he's having a rough morning that i'm not super you know and i'm the guy who's like if it's way ahead and yeah, you're got, i mean I'm we're not, in uh, stop and go traffic come on in that's fine the idiot who, who like goes on the side of the road or stays when it says you're going to lose a lane, he stays in the lane and goes way up to the front and then just cuts in. Oh man! Right, I hear, I hear. He's just a no, dick no, on the you're road. Pretty, you're pretty peaceful for the most part <laughs> till you find a Mike and Ike in your hot tamales. <laughs> Son of <laughs> who the fuck does that? <laughs> okay, so in spite of the Navy findings. It would be misleading to view military divers as riddled with psychopathology. The military has a strong interest in selecting personnel and scrutinizes the mental health of members of elite units. That troubled youths do well in a military setting is not an unfamiliar concept. Divers rebelled early against the restrictions of formal social institutions and were successful in directing this activity and aggression toward an occupation in which these characteristics may not only be useful, but necessary. I think I said that. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, kind of what we were touching on a little bit, uh, you in particular, there uh, last yeah. week. Yeah, that's what you want on your on your team. I mean, you don't want somebody who's completely anti-team. No. But you do want somebody who's anti-box. You know, you will do it like this and you will not think. That's a, that's a misconception, I think, that a lot of people have about the service. My dad, who was in the service, he's, he thinks, you know, you, you're told not to think. Just do as you're told. And uh, I had never had that it's a boot camp. Well, yeah, boot camp to a certain degree, but if yeah, they break yeah. you down to build you up, kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. yeah, well, you and all and have and to I get think, on the same I think page. The it's very difficult. You might have been a bit, a, a bit different. Oh, too. You're giving them too much credit, I think. There. In short, the military has seen no need to requisition camouflage pattern buoyancy vests with a straight jacket configuration. They mentioned <laughs> a little <laughs> joke there. Military lingo. Uh, the MMPI is used to detect gross psychopathology in psychiatric populations. A better test of normal personality, the Theodore Millen Index of Personality Styles. What's a psychiatric population? The psychiatric population is the number of people that have some sort of mental psychiatric issue, oh, illness okay. in the 
population. Like okay. one in one in five is what they say have some sort but of that's mental. That's in that day. I don't, right now it's like no, that's uh, today. Oh, one in I no, thought same. it was like one in five are sociopath or psychopath. That could be judging by my drive over this morning. You might be with that one. I can see how you become one for sure uh, if you're let's driving. See. One in five is a psychopath. <laughs> Four and five are on their cell phone while trying to drive a vehicle. <laughs> Three and five are becoming psychopaths. I think the psychopath population is even more than that. So they're saying that the Theodore Million Index of Personality Styles is a little bit better to determine. It was in- introduced in 1994. Theodore Mormon, did you say? Theodore Mil- Milman? Millen. 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 Oh, Theodore Millen. Millen. Remember him? Remember him? Yes. Uh, it was introduced in 1994 and measures 27 dimensions of personality. A 1996 report found Navy divers to be characterized by the following styles. Enhancing, which is being optimistic and seeing the bright side of life. Modifying a tendency to shape or alter the environment to suit one's own needs and desires, individuating or independent and egocentric, seeking self-fulfillment and worrying little about the impact of one's behavior on others, thinking, making judgments impersonally, using analytic reasoning rather than subjective emotions, and controlling, being forceful, domineering, and socially aggressive, seeing oneself as fearless, competitive, and viewing gentleness as a sign of weakness. However, the extent to which these were pre-existing traits or developed in response to occupational demands was not determined. Hmm. So a lot of characteristics, like uh, um, I think uh, especially as the the intensity of a dive or the, the seriousness of, of the dive, being able to be enhancing and modifying are certainly traits that yeah. a diver's got to be able to have, right? Uh, not getting wrapped up in the moment and fearing the worst and getting stuck on that, but but always being able to to see a way home. Yeah, those are good qualities to have for sure. For you know, sure. Sp- particularly thinking, right? Being able to make those judgments. Well, of course. I mean, the environment is either not as expected or constantly changing. You know, those are the things you can run into. It's you expect one thing and you get there and it's something different. So you have to be able to kind of roll with the Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way I've always looked mm-hmm. at, you know, being in the water. Is I mean, I, I know so many people are so analytical, like looking at that computer. And, and not to make this as a, 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 a debate on using the computer versus... Using, you know, using a, a brain, but you see people that just get so like stuck in those numbers, and and, and I mean, I, I had a a guy that his computer crapped out on him. He went down on a, on a first dive, went down, had some issues, popped up fast because uh, he got spooked, came shallow, and his computer gave him this huge decompression stop. I don't know if the computer program just like looked at the the bop, the fast ascent that he made, and was like, "Whoa, we're we're decoying you," or or the computer had a complete malfunction. I don't know, but he tells me that he had a safety stop, is what he called it. I'm sure the computer had gone into like a deco mode for, I mean, a ridiculous amount of time. Not three minutes, not five minutes. He was there for like thirty minutes or something. In a regular ridiculous. recreational. Yes. Dive. Nothing yes. fancy. Yeah. So he sits there for the, 
He's like hanging, 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 hanging for the whole entire time. Pops up. Like the boat is like a pin drop. <laughs> yeah. Like way, way, yeah. way <laughs> off in the distance. Now this guy was a big, like a tech tech nerd. Not like tech diving, but like technology nerd. Uh, got into diving and, and bought like everything, everything in the dive shop and had one of those little Nautilus uh, GPS locators. Had to activate it comes in he's like man i can't a good thing i bought this thing he wanted to activate it i mean <laughs> if you want to do the psychological analysis of that guy he's did he cause this to happen did he send send his computer down on a line you know prior so this is acting like a repetitive dive and it really did require the deco even though he wasn't on the dive he just sent because Got to make no, up I, an excuse i got to make this whole scenario <laughs> so that i can so use this can baby up. yeah because I can't just drift off the wreck. I got to have a reason to drift off the site. And then the reason has to be not my fault. It has to be malfunctioning. Although, basically, he didn't use his brain. He just did as the computer told yeah, him. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. Like, So you've got five minutes of bottom time in 100 feet of water. So, I mean, worst case scenario. I mean, sure, you're, you're if you spent the whole five minutes at that 100 feet, you know, your fast tissues are 50% loaded. Yeah, you're going to have you're going to have to control your ascent. You're going to have to do some you know, minimum safety stops, right. minimum decompression coming up. But 30 plus minutes of decompression for five you're actually minutes in on gassing more than you off gas so yeah like so that's my point of like being just so wrapped up mm-hmm. in the numbers personality characteristics of military divers were compared with those of submariners and non-diving military personnel in studies published in 2000 and 2001 Although the results confirmed much earlier research, they surprisingly showed the military divers to be highly group-oriented. Divers also were more enthusiastic, adventurous, and confident than the other groups. And divers were more enthusiastic but less conservative than submariners. They showed more ego strength, tough-mindedness, and adventurousness than non-diving naval personnel. Well, I would imagine so. I mean, that's kind of an expected result, isn't it? Tough-mindedness, adventurousness. Then they're submariner partners. Yeah, and submariners right. are just submarine guys. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 stuck, just out. they're just crazy. stuck on the sub. They're almost, I think they're 9 out of 10 in the psychiatric. <laughs> well. They're a little crazy. Love them. Crazy. They're like Christopher Walken crazy, which isn't a bad crazy. The divers were all able to adjust to the demands of naval diving and had no previous psychiatric history. Divers' most descriptive factors were group orientation, enthusiasm, adventurousness, and confidence. Divers were also higher than average in ego strength, assertiveness, and self-sentiment. The authors discussed how the results seemed appropriate given their work environment. Just like, uh, just like you mm-hmm. noted, you know. The high group orientation score was surprising, they say. This feature, reflecting low self-sufficiency scores, depicted the military divers as joiners and sound followers with a positive group orientation. Now, this actually uh, contrasted with um, the Beisner research. Oh, Beisner. Yeah, the La Roca and Beckman findings... Uh, 
were that divers were less friendly in social interactions and more independent. Yet the Van Wilken Waters said these findings were not incompatible. Membership in an elite unit with its own very strong loyalty code could cause very strong internal group orientation, but isolation and independence from non-group members. Beersner had observed that divers selected for membership in elite units such as UDT and SEAL teams tend to have better social skills than do military divers chosen for individual operations. I could see, you know, uh, if, if you've made the grade, you made the cut to be part of a, of a high elite team, I, I could see you having a little bit of a, a little bit of an ego. That makes a little bit of well, sense. Well, you, you see know? it as an ego, I think. Uh, I, I don't see it as an ego. I, I think these people that made that cut were already, I mean, they were separated from regular society and people way before. The, you know, the people that make that are already high achieving. They're already not on the plane of correct. regular oh, people. Yeah, yeah. Their yep. intelligence is high. Their perseverance, discipline, strength is high. Physically, they have to be in somewhat shape, but surprisingly people would find you know i think they would be surprised to find out like they understand that the physical fitness can be made that is something that can be made what can't be made is that discipline the perseverance that i will not that's the thing looking for sure yeah 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 can't quit refusal to quit will not quit because that's who selected for those teams i could i could see that that be that is you know we like we talked a little bit about last week is you know is that trait something that you have and that's what got you there? Or is it the uh, the, I think it the, is. the both sides of the yin and the yang? Or is that mm. something that's created when you get in? If you ask me, I think that is the one thing that has to be innate. It's innate already there. You, yeah. Yes, it's already there. I mean, you built it through a lifetime. You enforced it. But, you know, people who are stubborn, people who have that confidence to say, this is, you know, I know this is right and I'm not going to, I don't care. You know, those are the people that die for their causes. Those are the right, people that right. are able to persevere through something that like the training and the, uh, if you want to call it the initiation into that elite group. In order to persevere through it, you have to believe in what you're doing and be willing to risk it all. Like if I die doing this. So be it, but yeah, I will. So I, not I be guess I can see where you're saying, like, so earlier on, or I should say, early on, mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, you have a personality trait that right. shows that you're stubborn, right? And, but then later on, with uh, as you grow, that yeah. stubbornness becomes the perseverance. It becomes the perseverance, yeah. or it's something that, like, if you're, you know, and I liken it to even being a parent. If you're a parent, you have your children. You notice the characteristics they have. All the kids are different. They're raised in the same house. They have your genes, you know, your genetic makeup. But they're each different, and they have different strengths. So you try to, for me anyway, promote certain ones or put them, you know, kind of steer them into areas that you think that trait will really be useful. If you steer stubbornness into, you know, argue with them all the time and he just re rebels against sure, you or yeah, she yeah, just yeah, rebels yeah. against they go into, you know, wherever. Hopefully they find their way back. But if you say that stubbornness, I'm going to put them into athletics and high academics. Then they have an outlet for it. Not yeah, it's not. They see like the stubbornness really works in their favor. Yeah, they, do, they do not quit in the face of adversity. Well, what about sport divers? 
I think uh, the sport diving does draw a certain amount of that same person because not everybody goes in the service, right? And, right, right, and, and not and not everybody that gets into diving, oh yeah, continues yeah. diving along the same lines. Like again, like we talked about the there's the traveling sport diver, there's the uh, quarry diving sport diver, there's the only when I'm in the Caribbean sport diver. And then there's the person who does a little bit of everything, all environments, because they love diving, sport diving, all the way up to somebody that gets into cave or into technical. And then you've got the early levels of that compared to the high expedition level. I mean, you've got way different personality traits in all of those levels. Yeah, but I would think there's characteristics of diving that draw them in. The adventure is there. It's built in. You're doing something... I mean, what is adventure? It's doing something not along the uh, the beaten path, right? That adventure yeah. really means I'm doing something a little different. And then you also have the technical aspects of it. Usually smarter people are drawn to it, you know, and then there's physical aspects to it. So people who are drawn to physical activity have it. And then there's the beauty of it. So if you're drawn to that incredible, beautiful environment of being underwater, you're going to go to it. So you might not be in it for the physical fitness or the physical aspect of it. But you're in it because you appreciate the beauty in the outdoor environment. Yeah, like you, very well, anybody could be into diving for a many, many different reasons. Exactly. In a 2002 study of 28 people in each category, Van Wick made a preliminary attempt to address the differences between sport divers and military divers and non-divers. The Navy divers demonstrated similar characteristics in comparison with their non-diving peers as in his earlier studies. Military divers had higher superego scores than sport divers, were more practical, shrewd, and group-oriented, and had higher self-sentiment as well. Civilian divers were more dominant and assertive than their military counterparts. Van Wilk hypothesized that the sport diver's higher assertiveness might reflect educational differences. The civilians had more academic education, whereas the military divers had extensive training to follow orders. The differences in super-ego scores could also reflect military conditioning and the tightly regimented and regulated world of the military versus the freedom of civilians to choose expedient solutions. Yet, the Navy divers were more practical, shrewd, and wise to the ways of the world, while the civilian divers were more imaginative, naive, and, forth <laughs> and forthright. This They're... might also be a result of military experience. And I think that's dead on. I would say in my experience, working in the civilian world after working for many years in the military is civilians really, they're very like, this is, this is the way to do it. Right. And a lot of times it is not it is a not the way it's a way to do it. It's and a way. Right. B, it's not it's not a very efficient way. And it and it misses the main mission like that. And that's where I think mili military, the, the military get trained mind into sets this up a mission, mission orientation. It's a mindset. goal mission oriented. Although, yes, we Whereas are trained to follow orders. A, civilians, it's a, it's a weekend project. Right. Well, they're mostly like, well, we have to think about how much money we're going to make off it or whatever. You know, where this, the military, yes, we do have, are trained to follow orders. But by the same token, our orders are, listen, don't lose sight of the mission and just get it done. Blindly, you know, go according to orders. 
you have to use your brain. You have to be able to think. And you have to make it as quick and efficient as possible, expedient, if you will. The author suggests sport divers may be less group dependent due to the nature of recreational diving, which can be done in buddy pairs on their own without any group affiliation. Navy divers were found to be more self-controlled, precise, and even compulsive, which was related to their need to dive in adverse conditions, dangerous situations, and technical challenges, as well as their training for meticulous checking of equipment and regimented diving procedures. To me, those, I mean, those are fantastic traits, and I look for them in people that I want to be around, you know, that attention to detail. The yeah, well, seeing be- the big picture, not let's just jump in the water. What's our dive plan? Yes, Swim and around, being, run out of air. being used to diving in adverse conditions. Well, and yes. When things aren't perfect and rosy, you know, that, that makes for a much stronger, willed, and, and hardier diver in the water, for sure. Yeah, plus you're comfortable with that person. You know that when things go to shit, it's not going to go to shit, really. Well, yeah, there's yeah. the there's the diver that uh, just is going to want to throw their hands up and say, okay, I'm done, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah, or make things worse and panic. You know? Right, yeah. right, which you can't do. I, I realize that, yes, you can shoot to the surface. <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> tell, I, tell, <laughs> I tell people, well, you can't, and they go, well, I, I can. I go, no, no. Okay, yeah, you can. Technically, Technically yeah. yes, you can. But it's not a good but idea. But it's, it's not a good idea, and it's not going to make the thing, the situation that you're making you uncomfortable, it's not going to make it better. It's actually going to make it worse. Yeah, it's like you can drive that car into a brick wall at 100 <laughs> miles an hour, but you can't. But you can't, right. You know, uh, it's not really right. a good idea. In recent letters to the editor in Undersea and Hyperbaric Medicine... Beckman of the Mayo Clinic and Van Wyck discussed these findings. Beckman noted parallels between Van Wyck's finding and his own 1996 work with Navy divers. They concurred that an increasingly reliable and valid, and valid construction of the international military diver personality is emerging. Van Wyck noted that older divers and submariners conform more to the typical profile of their group than do younger members. This could be attributed to socialization and or fitness longevity factors. And they move on into the the view of sport divers. When they were published in 1996, Jennifer Hunt's results of a series of three to six psychoanalytical oriented one-to-one and a half-hour depth interviews of 36 male and female sport divers over five years caused considerable discussion and salacious speculation among technical divers. The composite of four of the divers was presented as a case study on quote-unquote SAM. Hunt promoted the idea that a compulsion to dive in a dangerous manner may be related to pre-edible and Oedipal fantasies and conflicts. The role of the father in creating bisexual conflicts and sadomasochistic and gender identity problems was featured, along with fantasies of the wounded hero and ambivalence related to risk-taking. Although no hard data were presented and no experimentally-based scientific conclusions may be reached, the study provides provocative reading for self-examination. 
What do you think I'm going to say about this? <laughs> I think you're going to say that what the uh, fuck, man. You're going to say that um, you can you can find these studies in the recent book Fifty <laughs> Shades of Technical Diving. It's <laughs> <laughs> about it, man. Hey, I a lot of times I'm getting a little like, uh, of course I'm touchy and overly sensitive. My daughter would say I'm a cancer, so. But it's like, as a father, so this is what I contribute to my children is, uh, you know, this sadomasochistic, I'm going to teach them to be just bad, risk-taken, all because they, uh, your father pushed you into, you know, the discipline and beating on you. And, you know, so you ran to your mother kind of thing. You fell in love with your mother because your father was a bastard. Is that... Is that is exactly what, correct. Well. This is why I have a fetish with belts. <laughs> No, but kids don't know that anymore. The belt. Right, right. My kid would never, none of my kids have any idea what. And I tell them, when I grew up, things were a lot different. Oh, like. There was fear in the house. Like, if if if, <laughs> if, uh, if you hold up, like, an old, worn-out belt yeah. and show it to somebody our age, our age. the first thing we're, that comes to my mind is, I did something wrong. <laughs> the fuck? Whacked. You show it to a yeah. kid today, and they're like. Hold your pants hold up. Hold your pants up. <laughs> exactly. Which they don't do down at their ass these days. So Right, right. That's, really, that's why you're holding the belt, belt out here. <laughs> you need this belt. Oh, uh, uh, brother. Anyway, that whole Oedipal thing. It's funny that these uh, doctors, like, of course, they're told what to think in academia. Well, sure. And they're probably not divers themselves. And I think oh, no, a lot of them look everything at, goes back to oh, you're, you know, you're going to, you know, 100, over 100 feet of depth. Clearly, you're doing some form of dangerous diving. Right. You're a sadomasochist. You're, you're trying to hurt yourself. And that's you have because bisexual of your tendencies father. to yes, your father. Because your father. Now, the, now the guy, the guy that's filling out the exam is he's got well, he's got like no idea of diving at all and diving in general. You know, I just just signed up for life insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patty's like, well, yeah, we got to do this. Mm-hmm. It's time. And so I had to have that coming of age realization with myself at. That you're going to Mid forties, like ah, <laughs> oh, sure, okay. So, but I'm going through the whole questionnaire, and like, do you partake in any of these crazy activities? Yeah. Walking out into traffic, audio autoerotic asphyxiation, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cutting, uh, jumping off of high buildings, you know, blah 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 blah, and 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 scuba diving, like all this like ridiculous like things, right? <laughs> How do you even include scuba diving with that? And shit? I'm like, yeah. so I'm like, yes, <laughs> like, and they're like, which one? Which one do you do? Oh, scuba diving. Oh, 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 that's 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 not good. And then so then they're like, do you what kind of scuba diving do you do? Shallower than twenty feet, twenty to forty feet, or over a hundred feet? Do you partake in cave diving? You know, so there's all these like, questions, and I know that I'm just like ticking off the. The, the screener of like, up, 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 rates going up, rates going up, rates going up. But then the, the statistics that you look at, uh, you know, for somebody who knows nothing about diving and does a discover, there's a huge peak of, of they think that uh, they know everything that they need to know because they did a discovery class and the likelihood that they're going to injure or kill themselves goes up. You take some training versus you take a little bit of training versus you take a lot of training. There's a huge difference. And then I think the, the, there's that same dive is not a partaking in dangerous activities any longer. It's doing a very well thought out and extremely calculated dive. Right. And I would also think that they'd look at the statistics. 
Because that's all insurance is. Overly statistics, yes. statistics, but yeah. Or do they look at this big one that says, yeah, divers can die that's underwater. That's exactly it. Like, that's what I'm like looking <laughs> Where non-divers can't die underwater usually. <laughs> right. They have less chance. You know, they, <laughs> like, they think scuba diving is jumping into shark-infested right. waters with tuna juice rubbed all over your, yes, your you body. Yes, you got two giganto <laughs> knives on your leg, you know, you're ready to go. You're uh, Shark Johnson. Or... In a 1995 article, Hunt recounted anecdotes drawn from unstructured interviews of 19 females and 17 male divers, most of whom were characterized as prioritizing diving above their jobs and family lives. Okay, so far yeah, I like so, them. So <laughs> divers were interviewed aboard dive boats, and one passenger died in a free diving accident as Hunt conducted her interviews. Was she like yelling, help, "Hey, help, how does help, this make you feel?" Help. Hang on, I've got three Hang more. On. I've got three <laughs> more questions. Would you characterize yourself? Does somebody know where the life ring is? Hang on, I'm almost done with this interview. All had experienced perceived risk or actual injuries events experienced included two frightening shark encounters during decompression three draggings by boats at decompression depths emergency out of air situations becoming lost and or entangled in deep wrecks during penetrations four panics missed decompression stops 18 decompression sickness cases. Holy, who are and, these people? <laughs> and 10 injuries, including barrel traumas, ear infections, and ruptured eardrums. I'll tell you, you know, this is like the discovers the Discovery Scuba Adventure <laughs> boat. <laughs> Would you dive with that group? Hell Would you no. be like, okay, that circus is going out on its own? Yeah, I mean, over 50, Not with me. Over 50% with, uh, with yeah. DCS. That's a, that is a very skewed number boat. Exactly. Hunt discussed divers' socialization into norms for a level of risk acceptance, norms set by their subculture, noting that highest status was given to appropriately equipped and competent risk takers who dealt well with challenging situations. She observed that persons who were inexperienced, ill-equipped, and less risk-tolerant as well as those who took abnormally high risks or committed foolish mistakes, were accorded lower status. Injuries could be interpreted as either signs of incompetence or as rites of passage into a group in which a certain probability of injury was normative. And this was, uh, what, mid-90s, I think? Yeah, 1996, which... You know, that was, uh, you know, the the dawn of that, uh, you know, technical rage, technical craze. And, like, I, I mean, I remember back in, in those early 90s days, and I think I've mentioned it before, of, you know, there was a groups where, you know, the 200-foot dive on a single 72 to, to get into the group, you know, was, you know, the the rite of passage. Well, can you a lot do of it? Well, of course you can. Yeah. Like, can it be done? Yeah, of course you can. Of course it can be done. Of course you can do it. But that that level of risk that, is that is level stupid. of risk, yeah. right? Being equated equally with doing a dive to two hundred feet with a proper gas volume of an appropriate gas mixture with decompression gases to go along with it, 
right? In your and my world, those are two radically polar opposites. But back then, whereas they're yeah, here yeah. they're they're equated to the same thing. Well, back then, actually, you were looked. You know, I took grief for having twins going down to 150 uh, right. feet. Like, well, you, we didn't need that. We just <laughs> scrapped on a, you know, whatever, 72. And I'm like, well, you're a dumbass. If you don't, if you ha- have the ability to have more gas, why would you have less? <laughs> a- in a place where you're sucking gas down at seven to eight times quicker, really? Right. Yeah. Anyway. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, but I, th- I think in a lot of these data studies, right, where you've got just some accountant, some statistician who know knows nothing about yeah. scuba, they go scuba. Or the and the guy that does yeah. the, the single tank 72 cubic foot bottle dive uh, uh, to 200 feet is put right, he's ticked into the same box as somebody who goes down. It's been trained properly, equipped properly, and has the right mindset. Yeah, it's just somebody doing a dive that uh, has, uh, you know, in a dangerous manner to the the statistician. Yeah, one's doing it for their ego, too. Why are they doing it? You have to ask, why are you doing that? You can't tell me to go see things, because if you were going to just go see things, you'd do it with minimal risk. You purposely seem to be increasing the risk by doing stupid on a high level. That's how I look yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm with you. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know the foolish you know college kid that just jumps in the car, the, the tanks you know below a quarter tank, and is going to go on the road trip with no no money in his pocket, <laughs> versus the dad packing up the family, getting the vehicle right. ready for the road trip, and the Very gas good. tank's mm-hmm. full, and uh, everything's ready to go, and I've got the, the spare tires checked, and. Mm-hmm. To the statistician doing a particular study, some guy's going driving on a road trip. Right. But two completely different worlds. Right. Road trip center, you know, (laughs) equal this kind of death, this statistic. Yeah, but so, because she had mentioned that, if we go back a second, she observed that persons who were inexperienced, ill-equipped, and less risk tolerant, as well as those who took abnormally high risks or committed foolish mistakes, were accorded lower status. Right. Which, as it should be, you should be looking at that person on the boat going, idiot, 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 you know. Well, there's uh, there's data to support it. Yes. Right? <laughs> so it's not necessarily yeah. saying idiot, 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 idiot. It's just you're checking a box, man. Right. Well, <laughs> and you have to make that judgment if, call when you get on the boat, don't you, too? <laughs> you, when you're going diving with people, you got to look around and make judgment calls, like analyze the situation. What's what's going on here? You look around and you see you see what you see, and you go, okay. And you put a, a little, you know, maybe a five-star ranking thing, one to five. Right. I will definitely not dive with you. <laughs> I might dive with you. I'm indifferent about yeah. diving with you. I would likely dive with you. I would definitely dive with you. Yes. That's the... Schwartz Mott, <laughs> but it's also a life <laughs> exactly judging scale, judging yeah, judgment scale. scale, yeah. But it's also it's a life preserving measure that judgment. It's that's you trying to stay alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it, 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 at the end of the day, it certainly yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not not trying to be overly dramatic about it because it most of the time it's just you looking and going, okay, well, the guy's putting his rag on backwards. He's not really into it, so. You might need a little, hey, buddy, you got your rag backwards. 
That kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm not judging you. As a human being. Yeah, yeah, I'm not judging you as a human being. I'm not judging you because I don't like you, how you look, how you talk, right. what you're wearing, the color of your skin. If you go into the I'm not Bernie ju- place I'm not or not. I'm not judging you because <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, I think I'm better than you. I'm, I'm smarter than you. I, I've got, I like the the letters uh, on my card versus the letter on your card. I'm judging you because you want to go to 200 feet. <laughs> With 70 <laughs> cubic feet of gas. Right. On a craft mix that doesn't make any sense for what the dive that you're saying we're going to do. Okay, so we end this article with, we do not yet know the extent to which personality differences lure people to become sport or military divers or how much their experiences cause personality changes. Military personnel selection and diving technology have become more sophisticated replacing the earlier rogue diver image with that of a team player. Meanwhile, sport diving has evolved from its early macho image and is now marketed as a friendly, low-risk, family-oriented sport. Unless you're getting life insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Because then we got a reason to jack that shit up. Then it is a... uh, uh, Trying to participate yes. in some <laughs> self mutilation, dangerous, dangerous manner. We rank it in there yeah. with uh, cutting and auto erotics, <laughs> asphyxiation, whatever. We do know that divers truly are different. And there is a grain of truth on both sides of the question of whether divers are crazy or diving makes you crazy. And again, this was from 2002. Immersed magazine. And I think we're, we're, we're still there, right? Uh, although diving keeps keeps growing as far as uh, sophistication and technology and and you know these the computers that are out now you know that will quote unquote literally do everything for you right it, they've also made a lazy diver it, it, mm-hmm. they have made a lazy lazy diver yeah yeah and uh you can sit there and you can plug in you know whatever you want for a, a gradient factor into a decompression orientation right <laughs> but, it but it, if you can't hold a stop at 50 yeah. feet you can't yeah. uh you, you know, what the hell good is it anyways, you know? You know, if you blow past three of those stops to come back down to try to catch a couple minutes of them, and, you know, if you're, at the end of the day, if you're a scent profile, shit. It's yes, shit. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what to no say. No matter if you're that. running 100, 100, <laughs> 30, 85, 70, 70, take your pick. You know, it's it's if you can't pull it off, you can't pull it off. Right. You had to have the ability to pull off what you're plugging in there. Yeah. Are you crazy, people out there, listeners of TGDP, or did diving make you crazy? Well, I take offense with being called crazy if in the first You're place. You're crazy. I don't think that crazy. There are people that are crazy in the diving community, literally crazy, but I guess we should define crazy, though. All right. Are you talking schizophrenic? <laughs> or are we All right, let's look at the, the Machorts <laughs> Crazy Index. <laughs> Question number one. You might be do you, crazy. Do you own a quarry? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. On a scale of one to five, whereas um, one is I would never use, two is I would think about using, three is I'm indifferent about using, four is I would likely use, five is I would I would use my air McDoodle in an out-of-air situation. What do you score? Uh, one to zero. Actually, <laughs> a zero, probably. That's based on experience. Well, there you go, people. Did you ever have an air McDoodle? Yes, yeah. yes, I did. I, did. I was forced to have one. Yeah, I remember when you I worked, said that. I worked at a certain shop there. Well, 
teaching, they maybe have one because that's what they had in the rental. Anyway, yeah, I, I, so had I did one, use one. I was I had one in a uh, I was teaching a rescue class, and in the rescue class, I had one of the students. You know, I was just practicing air shares with them before we really got going. And I had this lady. And I said, "Okay, you know, you're out of air," and I took my regulator to donate it to her. Went to go to my Air McDoodle. Air McDoodle. You grabbed yours. Which she also wanted as well. Oh, well, she can't have both of them. <laughs> so, she didn't want my regulator. Yeah. She wanted my Air McDoodle. So she's trying to get this in her mouth and grabbing grabbing the whole Air McDoodle, hitting the inflator button. So I'm trying to <laughs> dump nice. her out yeah. as she's trying to breathe off of my left breast <laughs> nipple. <laughs> Like, so she's got her head pinned into my chest trying to breathe out this thing. I get my regulator back and I'm like, <laughs> right? So we come bobbing up to the surface in what must have looked like a... Did you file a sexual harassment suit? I near <laughs> needed to. It was ridiculous. May or may not have been my last time I used it. I, I, I believe oh. I came back from that weekend trip and, you know, that, that class. I was like, this is stupid. I'm done with this thing. Yeah. Well, I had a guy, I was teaching a rescue and went down to do the uh, air share, except I came to him and said, I'm out of air. I just wanted to see if he could donate. So he donated and he went to go to his Air McDoodle, but he grabbed a snorkel, oh, which hangs classic, right next classic. to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I'm watching him and I'm waiting for him to like discover that he's got a snorkel, but he doesn't. He gets it in his mouth and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> stopped him. But there was a little bit of me. Like, I like teaching by that law oh. of impact. Like, if it impacts you, you're going to remember this shit. Intensity. Right? Intensity, yeah. And, like, this little voice said, let him breathe. Let him suck in that water. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad teacher. But I didn't. I stopped him. No. What is the effect of sucking water? You know what? Water? He, he was like, oh, oh, I do that all the time kind of thing. Like, you why wanna, the fuck do you? You might want to rethink having a circle on your head. <laughs> 50 feet underwater. What good is that snorkel? And the ascent while you're sharing gas and using an air McDoodle isn't conducive to doing a good ascent. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, we digress. All right, everybody. We do. Take your uh, Schwartzmott interpersonal uh, personality test disorder function test. Uh, available at the uh, TGDP. Send in your questions because we need help. Uh, I would like to put one up on the website, but I'm, I'm not going to pull this off. I'm getting ready to go out of town. Um, I'm not going to pull it. I, I know you're not. So people, <laughs> get out there and uh, send us. Try. So we need 10 questions for this test. So send it out. We'll make a BuzzFeed quiz about it maybe. I like that <laughs> idea. Um, let's sign these logbooks. I got to go. Uh, dear Jamesy, your edible psychoanalysis complex is showing. Get well soon. Brando, here is your weight belt. Gives me funny thoughts. <laughs> About my father. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Safe diving, folks.
Ah, <laughs> <laughs>